0: Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. My heart's full. Thank you for being here. Um, by the way, Jess's baptism is a notable one, too. Her, her Jewish family drives up from Virginia Beach, and we're going to baptize her at City Church and we realized they left the heater on, and it was so hot you could not get in it. It would scald you. So we're like, uh, why don't you like go eat and come back, and hopefully it'll be cooler. I mean, so those of you who got baptized in cold water, she got baptized in hot water. So, anyways, that was, it's like, well, that's not the best witness to her Jewish family, but so it goes. Okay, so speaking of which, I thought I'd start my message with some superlatives, okay, after 20 years, we're going to talk about some Chi Alpha worst superlatives, okay? And Jess, you're in one of these stories, okay? Um, so uh, let's start off with the uh, worst mission trip moments, okay? There are many of these, okay? So this is, there are many honorable mentions that uh, that, that I could go with, but... <clears throat> The worst mission trip moment that came to my mind pretty quickly was that trip to Berlin that uh, Jess raised money for. Um, We got there on day one, and we get settled in in our pension, and then we are... Going to investigate Berlin a little bit as we get acclimated for the week. And so we ride the U-Bahn down to, to, to the center of the city. We're walking around the city, and there's this young lady who is from Taiwan. Her name was Jenny, who actually was the only person who knew any German on our team. Okay. So the Taiwanese girl knows the German. Okay. <clears throat> so we're walking around, and all of a sudden, Amanda, who is the the person who's survived cancer, comes up to me, and she says, hey, Pete, have you seen Jenny? I'm like, seen Jenny? What do you mean? Yeah, I haven't seen her in a while, and I look around, and Jenny is nowhere to be found. This was our second year, and so... So we get on the U-Bahn, and, and I'll never forget it. Jess is like, see, Pete, I told you this is why we need a meeting spot. And I'm thinking, Jess, now is not the time. Now is not the You were so right, but now is not the time. I'm riding back to the Pension with, not, with no Jenny on the U-Bahn, thinking to myself, it's been a good two-year run. It's over. And we get back to the Pension. She's not there. We go to the church we're helping with, the Startup Church, and she was there, and I wanted to go give her a great big hug and squeeze her really hard, okay? Anyways, we found her, and all is well. There are many honorable mentions. Uh, one quick honorable mention is when uh, we had five teams overseas when COVID hit, and um, one of them was in Tunisia, and by the way, this is when Trump shut down all the travel from Europe. Most of our teams were going through Europe, so I'm at home, I'm, I, literally, it's the only time I had to recharge my phone in the middle of the day, I, you know, I'm using my phone so much, so, um, I don't have an Apple, so that's why I didn't have to recharge, but that's, a, no, Ooh, sorry, but, <laughs> but, anyways, uh, I'm trying to get a hold of Blake, Blake is in Tunisia, and he is not responding, I'm using WhatsApp, calling on WhatsApp, saying, somebody, so Jack, our missionary host, Blake, and finally, about, I don't know, 20 hours later, they call me, and they're like, yeah, we were in a desert in Tunisia, sleeping in a cave. I'm like, well, you're probably pretty far away from COVID. That's what, you know, but anyway, that was a really long week, really long, that's honorable mention. Okay, so that, that's that. Okay. Worst m l mishap. There are some honorable mentions here, too, that will probably not get mentioned, but this one is... Uh, a very unfortunate moment. I was teaching on the armor of God. (laughs) Some of you remember this moment. (laughs) Yeah, I was teaching on the armor of God, and I was ad-libbing. I went off script, off notes, As I was talking about the belt of truth and how we need to have truth, the belt is what holds all other things in place. It's at the very center. And the belt is the, you know, truth has to be at the center of our lives. And I made an illustration off the top of my head. (laughs) And I said, guys, you know that sometimes a a good-looking girl comes in the room and you want to take off that belt. (laughs) Is that not the most horrific thing you've ever heard? I'm like, I, I'm, I was so ashamed. So ashamed. I could not believe I said, I, I, I promise you, I did not know what I was saying. Father, forgive him for he knows not what he says. Oh, that was horrific. Okay. There are some other ones that are really bad, but not quite that bad. And then finally, the worst social event in the history of Chi Alpha. I have some pictures. I, I didn't know which one to pick, but last night at the development dinner and 20-year celebration, the pajama party, which happened, by the way, that, that Christmas pajama party happened in the South meeting room of Newcomb Hall. So we literally had our students wearing their pajamas to Newcomb Hall. Some of you were there. And we played, that's playing Christmas Twister. We were playing Christmas Twister in our pajamas in Newcomb Hall with a fake fireplace that Amy bought at a teaching store that was taped up onto the wall so we could sing carols around the fireplace (laughs) after we made gingerbread, man. I felt so sorry for everybody who brought their friend. I was like, I'm so sorry. This This seemed like a good idea at one point. Please let this night in. But that's not the worst. I think the worst was probably the Chi Alpha Rush Party that we had year one at the study center. Maybe year two. I can't remember what year this was. This was early. And that's Andrew sitting in the chair at the study center. He was the guy who was finding out if everybody was on the list or not when they showed up. And then he had put an X on their hand because they were on the list so they could go in. Because we thought, well, we sound like a fraternity, we should act like one, right? So we'll have, but the, here's the key everybody was on the list, right? That's the kingdom. Everybody, anyway, okay, so everybody was on the And that night, our games were water chugging and arm wrestling. And I have to say, Amy won the female arm wrestling, and then she felt bad because she hurt the girl's wrists in the finals. But she slammed that thing down. (laughs) It was horrific. Okay, another party you just couldn't wait to get over. So we've had some not so good moments. Those are the three superlative worst moments. Um, There's other stories that could be told, but I'll stop there. What I would like to do is spend a few minutes and talk about three things I've discovered over the last 20 years. Whew, I may cry through this, I'm sorry. I, 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 my kids, they're like, do you ever cry, Dad? And I'm like, well, well yeah, I, rarely, but I do sometimes. So I, anyways, I don't know, i has been a weepy week, but um, I'm going to make my comments out of Acts 20. I made a list of things I learned, and I was reading Acts 20, and three of them were right there, so I narrowed it down to three. Um, I, Acts 20, by the way, I didn't need these 20 years ago, (laughs) reading glasses. Now what I do actually, blow up the passage, tape it in my Bible, so I don't have to humiliate myself with reading glasses, but it's real life. Okay, so um, Acts 20 is a a really powerful moment. It's when uh, Paul is saying goodbye to the church in Ephesus, a church he spent a few years at. He had a lot invested in this church, and he loved dearly, they loved him, and he's saying goodbye to them. And I was just struck by some of the things he said to them as he said goodbye. And so that's the context. He's speaking to the elders of the church who've actually traveled a little bit so they could see him one last time. And he said, this is the last time you're going to see me. And so that's what we're going to read. I'm just going to read a couple verses of Acts 20. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts 20. And I going to start in verse 32. In fact, I'll probably just read verse 32. This is what he says. I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance. I commit you to God and the word of His grace that can build you up and give you an inheritance. The first thing I'd like to talk about that I've grown in or discovered over my 20 years is the depth of the faithfulness of God. You know, when Paul said to to these elders, I commit you to God, Paul was committing them to a God that he knew was faithful. I mean, if you read what happens in, in the 10 years prior to this, Here's a little bit of what you get in chapters 13 and 14. He, he says, it says that he was ran out of, Pisidian, of Ant, uh, Pisidian Antioch. He was ran out of town, only to go to the next town of Iconium, where he was ran out of town, only to go to the next town of Lystra, where he wasn't ran out of town. He was stoned and drugged out of town, left if he was dead. They left him. They thought he was dead. Somehow, Paul gets up and goes back. I mean, okay. And then at the end of his first missionary journey, here's what he says. This is his report. It says he reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened doors of faith to the Gentiles. Okay, if I had been ran out of each town and then been stoned and pulled out and left for dead, I'm not for sure that would have been my report. You know what I'm saying? Like, boy, do I have some stories, you know? But Paul's report was all that God had done. In other words, it was hard. But in the midst of the hardness and the trials he faced, he discovered the faithfulness of God. Well, when I look over... Well, let me just... So here's what Paul had, had experienced he had experienced God raising him up in the midst of discouragement and physical suffering. He had experienced God directing him through closed doors and open doors and dreams. He had experienced God delivering him and Silas from prison. He had experienced God doing so, such more uh, powerful miracles. That even his handkerchiefs and aprons were, were healing people. I mean, that's bizarre, right? I mean, like, he had seen the faithfulness of God in the midst of trials and hard times. He knew that this God that he was committing them to was faithful. If I were to summarize the last 21 years at the University of Virginia, I would simply say the faithfulness of God. I've seen his faithfulness through students. I remember last night I said this, that our year one, we didn't know anyone. I mean, at that point, we still thought it was called campus. And that there were freshmen. I remember translating people say, "Yeah, I'm a fresh. Oh, you're a freshman here. that's nice to meet you, you know He's weird? But I, we didn't know anyone, and, and, and I remember praying for the best of the best, and I saw God bring some of the best of the best. Celeste, our first worship leader back there in the corner, and, 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 uh, and Jess, and, and Thais that was mentioned, and Andrew, and Jeremy, and Dave Arlen, and Howard Andres, and, and Helen uh, Mudgett, and, and, and the list could go, not very long, can't go on very long, there's only a few of them, but anyways, like, but the point is, I saw God provide students. It was His faithfulness, I remember times where I, I, I sensed we needed a strong class of men come into our fellowship. That we, that we just and I would pray for that. And and I remember that was when Brady was a first year and 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 his core group came in and they were su- such legacy builders in our fellowship. And and when I, another time I prayed that and and uh, Mill Spa and and and. Uh, and Jordan, and, and the Knights, the historic core group of the Knights came. I mean, I've seen God answer prayers with, with students. I remember um, praying. that This is our first drummer, the one closest to me, Jim Barreto. I remember praying for a drummer in the middle of our second year. I'm like, I'm just going to pray. I mean, how, how often does a drummer come into a group of like 30 people in the middle of a year, and I'm praying for a drummer because I was playing the Jim Bay, and everybody was ready for that to be over, okay? So... <laughs> I was playing the gym bay every week and then moving from the gym bay and closing in prayer and then preaching. It was like, okay. And one semester, Dave Lieber, he was our guitarist. He, he was a missionary kid from Africa. He said, I'm not coming back this semester. So I played the guitar that semester too. You guys remember that? We're all glad. So, okay. So, but the point is, is this. Jim Barreto walks into our meeting like two weeks later after I prayed for a drummer and it was just a sign of the faithfulness of God. I think of the faithfulness of God with staff. When our very first staff worker came on board as Amy had our first baby, Ian, a guy by the name of Anthony Saladino, moved to town. And he was a gift of God's faithfulness. And I think about when we knew we needed a female staff worker, but we had no idea where it was going to come from. And God brought a young lady by the name of Kathy Inaway, now Fairchild from California. <laughs> And I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen the faithfulness of God financially when when we didn't know anyways, like in ways that just astound me. I've seen God's faithfulness in difficult times. I've seen God's faithfulness in infertility. I've seen God's faithfulness through grieving as we buried my sister and my stepdad. I've seen God's faithfulness through personal trials, I've seen God's faithfulness through ministry trials, I am here to tell you that these 21 years, they, it doesn't mean everything's going to be easy because God is faithful, but it does mean he'll be with you, and that God is faithful. One time, there's a pastor who said, God is faithful, 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 faithful. And he's faithful, 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 faithful. He's faithful. And when Paul commends them to God, he knows he's commending them to a God who's faithful. So I do not know what people are facing right now here. But can I... Tell you, I commit you to God, and He is faithful. So, whatever it is in your heart, please know He's faithful. The second thing that I've discovered in my time over these 21 years is that I need to consistently be reminded of the gospel and its implications in my life. I cannot be reminded of the gospel too often. (laughs) The verse that I read says this, and the word of his grace, and listen to this, which can build you up. And give you an inheritance. In other words, we don't just start with the good news of the gospel. We are built up by the good news of the gospel, right? And, and I need, which can give you an inheritance. And I was thinking that inheritance, that, that is a, a, a picture of sonship, right? That you get an inheritance. This is speaking of, okay, this is the thing that blows my mind about the gospel. He doesn't just like pull us out of our sin and pull us out from underneath the penalty of wrath, but he, and become neutral towards us. No, he makes us his sons and daughters and gives us an inheritance that he is for us, that he showers us in his love and his favor and his blessing, I remember one time I was in a one-on-one in Wilsdorf and uh, I was sitting with this young man and he was talk- we were talking about what it means to be in Christ, which Quadro talked about, right? Uh, what does it mean to be in Christ? And I said, hey, do you know that passage when Jesus gets baptized and it, and it says that the father spoke over him, this is my son whom I love and in him I am well pleased. I said, now, you are in Christ, and the things that the Father speaks over Jesus, he now speaks over you, that now you're his son, whom he loves, and in you he takes pleasure. And I remember he's like, whoa, rad. And that's what he said. It's the only time I've ever heard that said in one-on-one, but I was like, like, yeah, it is rad. That's rad. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, here's the point. The point is, is this. I must come back to this truth over and over. My heart has to be saturated in the truth of the depth of God's grace and the depth of His love for me. For me. I think it may be because I'm a one on the Enneagram. (laughs) My inner critic is really, really strong. Any other ones in here that can commiserate with me? I'm so sorry, yes. <laughs> feel you, Ryan, feel you, Clara, you know, like it's a blessing and a curse. But that means that I need to come back to how deeply I am loved by God in Christ and His grace over and over and over. Here's what I know. When I lose sight of the gospel, and trust me, there have been many times, Amy's like reminding me of this truth, right? And and when I lose sight of this, I start to live like a servant of God rather than a son of God. I I like I'm trying to, like a servant trying to earn rather than a son that has been given an inheritance. I start to live for love rather than from love. I start to live with something to prove rather than with nothing to lose. I start to believe I have to live for acceptance, not live from acceptance. And I start to live driven by fear rather than led by love. When my heart loses sight of the gospel. I was reminded of a verse that I've come to many, many times over the last several years that was written by Paul to this very church. These elders would have heard it. In Ephesians 3.17, he says, I, I, I pray that you would be rooted and established in the love of God. And, and that word picture, that the, the, the roots of our heart would go down deep into the gospel of God's love for us, and that the is a building term, that the foundation of your life, like the cornerstone that you stand on, is that you're loved. And I, 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 I want that for me, and I want that for you. We can't hear it too much, that this, is, that this is what our roots draw from for the fruit of our lives. This is the foundation. Everything's built on, Right? I need to be consistently reminded of the truth of the gospel and its implications for my life. Well, finally, this is my last point. I'm going to wrap it up. I have learned that God's kingdom is built on the faithful and sacrificial service of God's people. Paul is writing, or or is is speaking, what is written by Luke, is is speaking to these elders. And I was thinking about this. And what he says to the elders in verse 28, he says this, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he says this, be shepherds of the church of God. How many people know being shepherds is not easy work? Of the church of God. And he says this, which he bought with his own blood. In other words, it started with the sacrifice of our king, King Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, it starts with His sacrifice and the kingdom of God will move forward with the sacrifice and faithful service of His people. And when I think about the story of Chi Alpha, the kingdom of God has been built by the sacrifice of God's people. I I, I think about all of the people who've led core groups in the last 21 years who have sacrificially served and chased after people who did not want to be in a core group. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, yeah. You're like hey, I have a bag for you. And they're like, okay, thank you, bye. Anybody ever do one of those follow-ups? Okay, yeah, or uh, send texts to people who never texted you back or whatever. Anyways, I was thinking about this. Uh, over the last 10 years, we've probably averaged over 100 core group leaders every year. And we tell our people whenever they, uh, when, whenever they agree to be a core group leader, that it's a 10 to 12 hour commitment a week, including m and and core group and so on. And I was doing the math. Some of you guys are, are math majors or business people. You crunch the numbers. Think about this. That is an average of 1,000 hours of labor every week hundred people giving ten hours. Okay, it's been over a hundred for most of that decade. That is how Chi Alpha has become what it is, by the sacrifice of God's people. And you know what? Lives have been changed. It's been significant for the kingdom of God. And it's been a powerful thing to observe, right? So the kingdom of God moves forward on the sacrifice of God's people. Then I thought about staff. On our staff right now, we have biomedical engineers, computer science degrees, nurses, and and I could go on and on, communications degrees. And these are people who are quite able to go out and find a job like that. These are people who are extremely talented and gifted. And yet, they are being obedient to what God has called them to do. And the kingdom of God has gone forward because of their willingness to sacrifice. Because that's how God's kingdom is built. On the sacrifice of God's people. And many lives have been changed and God's kingdom has moved forward. I thought about people who've been on my support team for 20 years. The sacrifice of God's people. The kingdom of God moves forward on the sacrifice of God's people. The church, this was spoken to the elders. It's my parting shot. The church doesn't just need more attenders. It needs more elders. I can tell you to be an elder in the church in Ephesus complicated their lives in extreme amounts. Because all you have to do is read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. You see, there's some stuff going on there. You know what I'm talking about? It was not like smooth sailing. There was some stuff going on. And these elders were in charge of helping this church and this important city thrive. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are, will you... Become an elder of your church. I'm not saying like you're going to be elected an elder or appointed an elder. I'm saying you take the posture of an elder. Where you seek to be an elder by the way you interact with your church. By the way you serve your church. By the way you're relationally invested in your church. And by the way you love your church. You've heard me say many times, we don't know if we did our job until five years after you graduate. Well, one of the ways that we know we did our job is when we see you being an elder. Again, not, I'm not talking about a title, I'm talking about the way you live within your church. And I want to, and one of the joys of this weekend is talking to people who are involved in different ministries in different ways. And here, I, it's just been so overwhelming. Because the kingdom of God moves forward through the sacrifice of God's people. And trust me, I know, like all the babies in the corners, you know, and I know how hectic life is. I, I, I know. And yet the kingdom of God moves forward to the sacrifice of God's people. Um, the list could go on, but as we close, three things I've discovered is that God is faithful. And I feel like some people here this morning just need to be reminded that God is faithful. And there's something that's coming to your mind of what that means for you. And I want to encourage you, God is faithful in that. Others, you need to be reminded of the gospel. I, I so need to be reminded of the gospel, and I'm a dispenser of it, you know? Like, I need to consume what I dispense, you know? And I'm sure you need to be reminded of it too. That you would be rooted and established on the truth of how loved you are in Christ. You! Yes, you! (laughs) And me. Why? Because of what he's done and the good news. You don't have to live to prove anything. We don't achieve, we receive. And then finally, I want to encourage you to get your hands dirty wherever God has you in this season. Live a balanced life. Your first Ministry, see all the arms, babies bouncing. It's to your kids. Will you engage in your church as elders? That posture for God's church, which Jesus gave his life for. I invite the worship team up. We're going to close with one song. Here's what we're going to do. If you're comfortable with it, if you're not comfortable with it, hey, opt out of this, okay? Okay. If you're comfortable with it, I would like to. Our students are kind of back there in the corner. Um, By the way, this is final, so you know this is like a really crazy time, you know, you know, on on ground. So, um, but students, if you guys would like this, I'd love to do this. I'd love to have you guys like maybe just kind of spread out a little bit, and then as we close with the song, if have some alum gather around them and just pray. Would that be? Would that be all right? If, again, if you want to opt out for different reasons, that, that's a-okay. But as we close, um, and students, if you're, if you're like, that's yeah, is that all right? Would, would you guys be good with that? Okay, so let's stand. We didn't tell them that was happening. Um, but, but just kind of this, this from one generation to another, right? And uh, we'll, we're going to close in this song, and then I'll, I'll come up and give the benediction. So uh, students, can you guys like maybe spread out a little bit? Because I don't want them just, Yeah. We don't need a hundred people over there in one little corner. So some people over here, please. Um, that would be awesome. Over on to, I don't know, this side. Yeah, you guys got it. So, Lord, I pray that whatever we need to be reminded of today, that we would have it not just enter our minds, but enter our hearts. That we'd walk out convinced of your faithfulness. With whatever lies before us, that our hearts would be, the roots of our hearts would be wrapped around the gospel. And that our desire to get our hands dirty in your kingdom would be ignited. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. I'm singing. I was just. Uh, thinking of Mother's Day, and the children, and their children, and then thinking about Kathy and Jeremy back there with their baby that they waited how many years for? I mean, many, many years, and God's gracious, faithful hand brings Theodore into their life, which means what? God's gift. God's gift. God is faithful, And, I, and the, these people on the edges, these are your spiritual parents in many ways. Like Julia led Sarah in her first year core group where Sarah came to Christ. And how many of you have Sarah discipled? Right? It, so there's that... And her children, and her children, and her children, like, right? I mean, the, the point is, like, the picture of just the beauty of, of the kingdom of God and the generations. And, well, I could just keep going, but I'm going to give a benediction. And uh, this is a benediction that we now end every Chi Alpha with. We've done it for years now. And it's, it's the benediction that God told the priests in the Old Testament to speak over his people. That they would bear his name. And so let me give you that benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We love you guys. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.